moving forward, um, I will be introducing our guest speaker um, for today. And before I introduce him, um, I just want to say that it is a privilege for us to hear from him. He is a missionary and a pastor in Cambodia, um, and he will be giving the word for us. And so um, as I introduce him, I'll just be reading the passage that he will be preaching out of this morning. Um, so if you have your Bibles at home, if you guys would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, I'll be reading out of the King James Version. And we'll be reading verses 1 through 5. And 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, Ye also as lively stones are built up in a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the word of the, of the Lord, and it is my pleasure to welcome up Pastor Bob O to the stage as he gives the word for us. Wow. Awesome. I'm so happy that uh, there is... Uh, more O's in the world. <laughs> this will be the first Roman O's. Um, let's uh, start with for the prayer. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful uh, that we could gather together and through the medium of internet that we could um, worship and also hear the word. Speak, Father, to us individually as we are in our own private quarters. And speak to us, Lord, intimately. And we ask for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to come. And this time that we're going through this incredible time such as this, God, I pray that we have something to share and, uh, about it as it passes. And maybe decades later, someone asks, what did you do in 2020 pandemic? God, I, I pray that we could testify that the Lord was good and we not only survived but thrived and became a different person. So thank you. I praise you. Give you glory in advance for what you do, Lord, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, it is a great privilege that I could share and some of you that I probably never met. Uh, but uh, as I was uh, uh, about to share, uh, your Korean senior pastor, Pastor Kim, told me that um, Paul Oh was part of the Tasom Church, uh, which uh, started many, many decades ago <laughs> uh, in Orange County area. Because the founding pastor of the church, uh, Pastor Timothy Park, uh, was a good friend, uh, actually, at the time of Chicago time, and, and, and he came to L.A., wanted to start at his home, and I was part of that church plant, uh, really, uh, we became very good friend, uh, and then he planned another church called Harvest, we also was part of that, but now, uh, Pastor Timothy Parks in Korea. So, uh, I'm, I'm just so happy that I could share, and the text that, as I was uh, uh, thinking about what words to bring, as I switch my glasses here, um, was from First Peter, and um, it was so beautifully read, King James Version, and we're not really used to King James, 
But I, I, I do, that's the only Bible actually I use when, I, when it comes to studying because it's the only Bible that actually has a Greek word attached to it. And so as I was doing the basic study of the text and the whole concept of living stone uh, came alive. And so I said, Lord, uh, what, do I, what about living stone? And, and I've, been, I've been preaching for almost four decades. It's been, I did my first revival meeting when I was 18. And I'm 59 this year. So about 40 years of preaching. Uh, I think this is the first time in my preaching career uh, to tell people to put on the mask. <laughs> Usually it's like, be real, take off your mask. But now it's like, I was so shocked because uh, I spent first couple months uh, in Cambodia, and um, uh, I was in Chiang Mai, Thailand, as my wife was taking some classes there, and it was kind of a random thing for me to go to Chiang Mai because I didn't have to be there. But I said, Jenny, I, I would like to join you. I just, you know, want to chill and spend about a week uh, doing nothing. Uh, so she said, Oh yeah, come along, it'll be fun. So I was in Chiang Mai, and one thing led to another. Uh, I end up start ministering and some people there and, and, and Chiang Mai is one of those places beautiful and you want to visit again and again so uh, when I people heard that I was there they start calling me and say hey we're doing this prayer meeting would you like to come and meet this prayer I said oh sure I got nothing to do so uh, I end up at this private prayer meeting at a prayer house and as I walked in I saw my book. I, I wrote a book called Prayer Driven Life. It's now in 13 languages, and one of the languages is Thai. So as I walked in, and I said, whoa, you have my book here. He said, oh, yeah. Matter of fact, a bunch of us, we just finished 21-day fasting yesterday using your book, because my book, Prayer Driven Life, is a fasting manual for 21 days. So I thought, wow, that's so I'm so honored that you actually used my book to fast 21 days. At that moment, Lord spoke to me, and Lord said, it's your turn to fast 21 days. <laughs> so I said, just like that, Lord. Now, Lord said, yes, from this point, moment on. That was March 1st. Um, I said, okay. And then I well, didn't tell them that I was going to fast. They had food afterwards. I said, no, I'm okay. And I started fasting March 1st. And then, so I, I let my friends know, hey, if you'd like to join me in fasting 21 days, that'd be great. And a lot of people start writing back to me and say, oh, you're going to join Lou Engel's fasting. I said, well, I know Lou. And Lou and Engel, we go a long way, and we're a very good friend. And no, I didn't know Lou was fasting. I said, oh, you didn't know. He's declaring 40-day worldwide fasting. <laughs> you know, so he, everything he does is worldwide. So I'm like, really? Let me the, have the website. So I check. He declared 40-day fasting from March 1st. Well, I did 21. And of course, the pandemic uh, was announced by WHO on March 10th. And so we're living through this very peculiar time called first legitimate pandemic. And uh, you could tell your grandchildren someday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was crazy years, you know. And I went through first legit pandemic. So Ebola, all this kind of stuff happened, but in not our country. <laughs> but this is really legit. Because it was so strange for me, because when I was in Cambodia, just less than 25 days ago, Cambodia wasn't feeling it. 
you know, Cambodia, we were just normal, going around. <laughs> we were having worship, you know, people gather, hug, you know. <laughs> and, and, and then they said, there's a thing called pandemic, you know. Oh, really? You know, well, well we're happy. Uh, we go to restaurant, malls open, and worship. I'm preaching at my, the church. Nobody's wearing masks. Um, and then as, it, as the time approached for us to now uh, March start happening, in the middle of March, I had to go to uh, a, a country called Brunei uh, for a meeting. And then I had to go to Korea for a meeting. And I was in a meeting in Cambodia and meeting in America. And by mid-March, everything is getting canceled. And I, I, I had I literally four countries, 15 meetings canceled. So I'm thinking, wow, wait a minute. There's no point for me to go to Korea and spend 15 days, because there I had many, many meetings I was going to uh, preach or minister, because Korea by then was... Uh, uh, mandatory 14-day quarantine. So for me to go to Korea and minister, I have to go and quarantine for 14 days. <laughs> and then the fifth day, I need to come back. So I said, that's not going to work. That's very uh, unrealistic. So we decided to reschedule our flight, which, thank God, Korean Air was very gracious. They just rebooked my flight free of charge. So we're going to just transit through Korea. Okay. So this was very peculiar. I'm just saying the long story to tell you the America that I've known for the last 47 years and how it has changed. So um, can you imagine America 47 years ago? I was 12. I came, I was born in Korea. I was 12. Uh, first landed at Los Angeles airport and wow, you know, 1973. I went to um, our little house in LA area turn on TV, and we had a first color TV. First color TV experience I had was age 12 in America. And I thought, wow. I flew out of the Kimpo Airport and to LAX. LAX was like, wow, it's gigantic. It's, everything's so wonderful. We don't have to get up. You know, it's, everything's connected, airplane. Everything's just so high tech. I was blown away. Now, spend the 12 hours at Incheon Airport, and everybody's so careful. Everybody has mask on. Everybody's, you know, very, very cordial, but very, very, dis you know, social distancing was happening. April 2nd, I landed at Los Angeles. And I was so shocked. 80% of the workers in the airport wasn't wearing masks. And I thought, wait, I thought we are going through a pandemic. What's going on, right? And, and it was kind of crazy. So I got three grown children, two of them still living with us. One's 33 and the other's 31. Uh, so when we arrived, they house arrest us. <laughs> he said, Mom and Dad, you cannot get out. You know, uh, you're going to give the disease to somebody. So 14 days, mandatory. You're not going to live in the house. I'm thinking, I'm more afraid you're going to give disease to me because I came from a disease-free country, you know. And, and so there was that tension, but we did, we did obey. We didn't want to cause any trouble. I didn't want to, you know, in case we were infected. On the 12th day of our uh, quarantine time, guess what? My wife started vomiting, and she's saying, I'm really dizzy. And 
I said, oh, this is not good. Just two more days that we're out of these woods, you know? And then so when we told the agency that we've been through, lived in Cambodia for two months, went through Korea, and they said, oh, come and get free testing. So we did. On 12th day, we went. And they said, now you need to be isolation quarantine, which means you cannot leave the room. Okay? So there are people living in the house, so she's stuck in the room. And, and see, the reason that we try not to go to Korea is because if you, land, if you landed in Korea, they said you need to get out of the airport and you'll be tested. And in three hours, we'll let you know if you have it or not. Three hours. We said we're not, we don't want to do that. We don't want to, you know. And if you are positive, then they will self-quarantine mandatory 14 days in Korea in isolation. So he said, no, no, we're fine. That's why we came. And, and spent 12 days really trying to be free so we could do our stuff. We couldn't even go shopping. We didn't, couldn't do anything for 12 days. My wife gets checked up. Guess what? They said, uh, give us three, four days, and then we'll let you know. And I'm thinking, wait, time out. It takes Korea three hours to get the result. It's going to take three days. He said, yes. And on the ninth day, I had to call. I had to call, finally. We couldn't. They said, what's going on? And then, oh, she's negative. And when I heard that on the ninth day of my testing, when the same test could be done, result would be out in three hours, I, I thought, wow, we're living in a different world. You know? um, and and, and the, the really peculiar thing, especially if you live out of, outside of America and looking at both news, you know, CNN or whatever, when pandemic happened, the, the panic purchasing was so crazy in America, right? Costco, people are fighting over toilet paper and like, wow. And, and, and you know, I teach, a, I teach a course, a philosophy course at Royal University in Phnom Penh. And I'm meeting my, my friend and my students. And they said, wow, sir, I thought America was a civilized country. You know, how could they fight over toilet paper? Because the panic purchasing did not happen in Cambodia, nor Korea, right? So why would they fight over toilet paper, right? Wow. Well, I, it's a huge challenge, you know. Um, and as American, as Korean-American, and, and I would like to represent Christ every place I go. And I do travel because it's one of my calling in God's kingdom. God called me. Uh, God asked me to travel and preach. So I did. You know, when I uh, became born again and encountered Jesus at age 18, I didn't know anything. But at age 18, I remember uh, stay out in the parking lot of church that I encountered Christ. I said, God, I want to share you. I want to preach the gospel um, to all the countries that I will visit. And I, and I don't know why. At age 18, I said, Lord, uh, let me preach the gospel to 50 countries before I become 50. That was my prayer. And surely enough, uh, before I turned 50, I, I was privileged to travel through 50 countries. Well, I've been to 64 countries now and been preaching. I mean, just last year alone, 16 countries, 69 cities. So I'm constantly traveling and preaching. And, and this 
transi transitory time of pandemic, God said, no, this is time for you to be incubated for the next phase. So this almost two months of being incubated, doing nothing, all my meetings canceled in all the countries and all the meetings in April canceled, all the meetings in May, June, uh, all canceled. And I said, Lord, what do I do now? The message is, become the living stone. Become the living stone. The word that we just read today. Well, um, I study philosophy and teach philosophy. The word living stone, it's the term of contradiction. Why? Because, well, uh, the definition of stone is dead object, right? Stone cannot be alive. So it's a contradictory statement, just like, well, Peter said living stone, but Apostle Paul says, be the living sacrifice, also a contradictory statement. Because for you to be sacrificed, you have to die. And for you to live, well, it's contradictory. Right? So if, going a little metaphysical study here, um, if we put on the logic of is it this or is it that, then it's contradictory. Why? Because it cannot be living if it's a stone. If it's a stone, it's dead. So it's contradictory. It's, if, you, if you have to choose either or, then this does not exist in either or world because it's either stone or either alive. So you cannot choose. The living stone, living sacrifice, exists in the world of both ends. It could be both living and both dead at the same time. It could be stone and not stone at the same time. It's called end, both, both end world. So technical term for that is contradiction and all that. So, but that's exactly what Peter is asking, right? Peter's asking. This is what exactly Apostle Paul is asking. Because every time God demands something, God requires faith from us. So when God is asking us to do what is impossible, then we know that it's from God. If God is telling, you know, if, if, you, know, if, you, if you give a testimony, you know, I've been following God and, you know, my God is so great. My God tells me, get up and brush your teeth, <laughs> and so I obeyed. And then God told me, eat your breakfast. So I ate my breakfast. Now go and get a job, get married, get a cute kids, and raise kids. All these things I can do without God. All these things are possible things I could do without God or Buddha or... <laughs> but when God says, become the living stone. God requires faith. You need faith to become what is contradictory. See, for me, my pursuit of God started age 18 and after 41 years, here I am 59 and, and I've been through and travel and encounter God in many, many different ways and, and every time God asks me to do something, there is a huge sacrifice. I need to let go of a lot of the stuff. You know, I was an import-export businessman with my brother. Had an office in Wilshire, not too far from here. Wilshire and Wilton on the top of Wilshire Boulevard. You know, my brother was import-exporter, and I was going fuller at the time. And, 
And Lord said, don't get paid by church. I said, okay, and then how do I live, Lord? And well, work with your brother. So I'm working with my brother. You know, I had first, second kid coming, and I was going fuller uh, in the afternoon. And import-exporter, you know, Korea is in different time zones. So I would actually come and to go to work at like 10 p.m., work till 2, 3 in the morning. And then at 3 o'clock, I come home and start with the early morning prayer at Brando Baptist Church. And, and that's how I began my teaching, preaching career at age young age, 80, 85, 86. And after a while, 98, Lord speaks to me. I was actually, my company was doing good, and they issued me, you know, nice car. I was driving down the Vermont Boulevard. At the time, they had a cushion uh, billiard, you know, uh, pool, pool house. <laughs> 1990, yeah. And as I was driving during the day, like 2 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, I saw some second-gen Korean-American kids playing billiard in Korean dangujang, you know? And I thought, what trash, you know? That's what I said in my mouth. I said, what a bunch of trash, you know? This second-gen Korean-American kids playing billiard at 2 in the afternoon. What kind of losers are they? That's out of my mouth. And Lord stopped me on the spot and said, park your car, look at them. I want you to start a church for them. Start a, plant a church. Wow. I said, Lord, I don't know how to plant a church. Well, I know how. So I have to let go of the, actually a couple companies that I was part of. And then within six months, I planned my first church, Oikos Community Church, 1991, February 3rd. That's my pursuing God's journey began. <laughs> and, and, and for the next 20 years, I planned five churches in, in Missouri Oikos, UCLA, uh, Westside Oikos, and we had downtown Oikos, and five Oikos church, 20 years. And in, in the process of that, Lord speak, starts speaking to me, now it's Cambodia. So 1998, we planned a church for South Central. We had a church at Slauson Park, not too far from here. Uh, at the, the, the ghetto, the killing fields of L.A. The L.A. County has kills about 360 people, murder case, per year. Majority happens in South Central. And it started at Slauson Park. And I planned a church in Slauson Park uh, with the gangbangers there, you know, because Lord said we need to reach out to Cambodian-American uh, gangbangers there. So I remember just going through all that. And, and so finally, I said, Lord... I, you know, this is amazing, the journey that you're taking me. And it's been ongoing journey. So that's why, to me, going through this pandemic together is just crazy. And in a way, part of me is very excited because I would like to see what God can do. See, God is about to do something. God is shifting. God is changing everything. And God wants to see how Followers of Christ will make difference in this crazy pandemic, right? I mean, I'm living through, and I'm, I've, I've experienced America for 47 years. What I thought, and who I was in America, and as I travel and see America from far, and what kind of state that America has, has become, it's... Very discouraging. Uh, matter of fact, uh, when my son, now 
he's 32, I think. When he graduated from high school, we, we took a backpack trip together through Europe, about four or five countries. And, and, and I, when, when we were doing that, because I've been through Europe, and I actually got my recently PhD uh, in Europe. And, and so I said, son, whatever you do, don't tell people that you're from America. And he said, why? I'm proud to be American. Dad, I'm like, okay, I know, but just, just you know, if you be quiet, then everybody thinks we're Japanese tourists. So <laughs> just, just live with that. Don't, don't, don't tell them that you, oh, no, I want to be American. I said, that's fine. We landed at Heathrow Airport, and we took a cab to London. And the London cab driver said, so where are you from? <laughs> you know? Uh, I almost say, Kumbangwa, you know, but they said, no, they said, I am from America. From that moment on, the London cab drivers start trash talking what America is to them and how crazy America is, the evil that America has done. <laughs> My son was so shocked, you know, and then when he dropped up at the hotel, he said, Dad, they don't like us. <laughs> He said, yeah, you know, I've been to 64 countries other than America itself. We, they really don't like America. You need to get with it. Live with that. You know, so you're living in this bubble called America. And so what does that mean, Lord? Why this pandemic happened? And why is America number one? <laughs> right? We're going to hit a million. There's, there's only 360 million Americans. There's a barely 60 million Koreans, right? And America is going to a million people infected. Korea had barely 11,000, right? Why a country that has six times more population, I mean, in terms of death rate, it's like 30-fold. Why? I think there is a role that I think we need to play. What does that mean? Matter of fact, Lord always tell me to do this crazy impossible thing to do. So many decades ago, about 20, 25 years ago, I was fasting. I was fasting 40 days. I was up in the mountain praying. And Lord says, write and I shall provide. I said, write what, Lord? Write what? I was clueless. But I obeyed and I guess write, I guess write books. I've been faithfully writing books, writing books, writing books. And, you know, I, I was able to publish 18 books so far until last December. But then, beginning of last year, January, Lord comes to me and said, year 2019, I want you to publish six books this year. Now, that's not possible for self-publishers because we need to put money down, at least 5000 to 10000 per copy. Because, you know, publisher would not, who are you? you know, you're unknown author, so we cannot sell. We need to print a certain amount, and you know, that's how they take the profit. So up front. So I said to the Lord, Lord, for me to publish six more books, either you give me 60000 up front, I won't be able to publish, Lord. And yet I obeyed and kept on writing. So something crazy happened. On December 11th uh, last year, as we were traveling through North, North Cal, I met a friend of mine who who's not a writer. He just has a TV program and he has a show with his dog, you know. And uh, he said, hey, Bob, I just published my first book. I said, well, no one will read your book, man. How did you able to publish your book? How much did it cost you? He said, nothing. He said, how do you publish a book costing nothing? He said, oh, 
I did it through Amazon. Amazon Kindle is electronic book and paperback. It's free because it's on demand. As people buy, they print. I'm like, wow, that's fabulous, you know. So I start actually got on it. And the, from next day, we're during five-day vacation. Within 20 days, I published 15 books because all the books that I have already written. And six books was actually written last year. So when Lord tell me to do crazy, impossible task in our eyes, God makes it happen. So as I now, as I speak, I finished my 49th book last week, published. And, and people would say, that's just not possible. How can you publish 49 books? Well, I did. Because the Lord said, right, and I shall provide. And I, I know, as an American, I thought God's going to provide money. You know, No, it's just meant I'll provide ways in which you could publish your books. <laughs> and I did. And it's in Kindle. It's all over the world. And, and I'm so grateful. So when, when God says, do something, and then in, in, through this pandemic, you know, I actually going through the whole pandemic, and I got so frustrated with all this fake news and how America has responding to pandemic. Now, this is from perspective from out of America. Okay? So you're living in America. You live through, and you're living, going through pandemic here. But I'm the guy, Korean-American, going through pandemic and seeing that from outside, out of the box of America. And it's just horrendous. The lies that people are saying and, 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 and the, the cover-ups. And, and because now everything's the Internet. You, know, you cannot lie about something. You know, when, when the, the American government said, well, we didn't know it was going to happen, all you knew. Because actually, through my research, I was actually, I wrote a whole book on, on the topic, which I, I, I don't think I will be publishing, you know, because it's just, it's horrendous. Uh, it's horrible. Uh, what the kind of cover-ups they were doing right now. Uh, so I said, Lord, what's my role? How, how do I live through? I mean, honestly, someday I'm going to become grandpa. I hope to be very soon. You know, I got three grown-up children. They're kind of useless because they're not producing me uh, grandchildren. But <laughs> someday, maybe 20 years from now, 15 years from now, I have a little grands grandson on my lap in my easy chair. I want that little boy to ask me, Grandpa, I heard there was a thing called Pandemic 2020. What did you do? How did you live through that? Yeah, I wish I would have a few books on it from different perspectives. And, and the position I had was this. Not only had a position, I actually lived through that. And this is the action, and this is what I did, and, and this is the end result. And as of that, the world knew that the true followers of Jesus Christ made the difference. Because every time there was pandemic, Christians arose to the occasion and made a huge difference. But unfortunately, right now, so-called Christians in America is messing it up so big, everybody thinks we're liars. Because we're making false report after false report of 
what was not really happening and blaming other country, calling it China virus and all that kind of nonsense. And people are like, you're the world leader. What kind of leader is that? We're going to cut the funding to WHO. You know what WHO means to the world countries? You know, all the poverty, all the pandemic kind of flu, WHO come and help countries like Cambodia. And the leading nation called America now just cut 500 million because we don't want to help the world leading. And as, what does that mean as Christians in America? You know, and, and I, I wish that we would actually have a demonstration, riot, or peaceful demonstration in L.A. telling the government, no, don't cut the funding at WHO. The world really needs this. Not going on the beach and said, I have right to be unlocked, you know, from my house. This is like, gosh, when was, when was it that we had this demonstration right here in Koreatown, right next to this church? You know, 19, Saigu, April 29, you know what happened, right? There was a riot in L.A. And there was a billion-dollar damage done through, throughout L.A. And 500 million was done against Koreans. And, you know, the media was blocking the Beverly Hills, and they were all directing everybody to Koreatown. And some of you are too young to know that. We lived through that. We lived through a Korean riot, the Koreatown riot. And, and I remember I, I was actually in the prayer mountain. And then as I was coming down, I saw... L.A. downtown, and um, it was like a war zone. I came home, and, and all the college students at the time started calling me and said, Sir, we need to meet. There, we, this got to stop. So we, actually, I drove out to Wilshire. When the riot was still happening, it was at the peak, and then it was kind of coming down, but they're still rioting, and people police out, the military, there's at a curfew. We met at a place not too far from here. And at the time, we were doing this um, praise, Saturday's inspiration praise team. And, and we were gathering 4,000, 5,000 second-gen Korean Americans at the time, 91. And so we said, you know what? Let's gather all the college departments, and let's have a peaceful march. Everybody bring out a, a broomstick, because we're going to clean up Town. Next day, 100,000 people showed up. And we were able to shut it down. And the media came out, and you know, media, of course, never, they never give us Christian credit. They gave the radio, Korea radio, are you kidding me? All the equipment was our equipment. You know, all the network was through college departments in L.A., all the local church, they all came out, and we had 100,000 march, people march, and we end to this nonsense. We made the difference. You know, this is a time where Christians think about what? you need to stand for and what you need to speak for, right? And make the difference. Have something to tell your grandchildren someday. Well, yeah, I lived through that, and this is what I've done. And we made the difference. We put a stop to that. The, at least the nonsense that this government seems to be putting on us, the lies. And, and so I just want to challenge you when Bible says, be a living stone, be like a little babe. You know, desiring, the, when Bible says, 
desire the spiritual milk. You know, I looked it up in the Greek. It's written in aorist, imperative, active, which means it's not if you had a choice. No, do it. Command now. You do it now. It's not option. It's in command form. It's imperative. You desire the milk like an infant baby. You know, I had the privilege of entering into the labor room three times and saw all my children born. And it's amazing when the first baby's born, the first thing the little baby does, they want milk. It's like, how do they know that? Right? It's like, it's incredible. Their desire, their passion is this for milk is incredible. Just like that. It's not even natural. You demand. God is demanding. It's written in imperative command form. You desire the spiritual milk. You grow up to become what? The living stone. It's a contradictory being. You should not be living if you're a dead stone. But you become that so that you could build the oikos, the house of God, the temple. You could translate it as temple or house. But in this particular instance, it's house. You build the house. Other translations says temple. So how do you build this church? You know, I think God really changed the patterns and the whole medium in which that we worship. This is this is the evidence, you know. And, and I always, you know, did a lot of my preaching is in YouTube and it's somewhere, you know. And and through this incubation time, what God is doing is God wants me to launch uh, uh, internet ministry. So I said, okay, Lord, if that's what you want. I got nothing to do. <laughs> All my meetings are canceled. And, and from 2009, I started my PhD at Oxford, Center for Mission Study. And then it just ended last year, 2018, 2019, graduated. And then Lord started telling me that you'll be doing multimedia ministry. I said, Lord, what does that mean? What is multimedia ministry? I thought it was music ministry. So we're trying to do documentary and we're working with the team in Cambodia try to make a documentary uh, and all that kind of media stuff but I think it's just simple thing like putting the words and YouTube channel so I'm obeying that and I think drastically my pattern of ministry will change and the way in which do ministry in LA in America and how Americans are viewed has changed for your generation I'm sorry we mess it up for you guys. But for you to be American now, and as much as they said great America, whatever, it's just nonsense. And nobody likes Americans anymore. And we need, we are the generation have to make the difference. We are the, the different ethnic group that will make the difference. And saying that no, through this pandemic, this is what we've done at this neck of wood in place called LA, and we make the difference. We had a position we had a statement. We, 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 we stood by what we believed. And this is what we believe. We, I believe that what we are doing to WHO is evil. It should not happen. You cannot stop funding to an agency that has helped so many countries. And, and, and so we need to speak up and write. Have a position. You know, don't just post some stupid steak dinner you had you know, somewhere. You know, use it to speak up. Because now the platform is in your laptop right now. Amen? I, I pray that, uh, that you'll be the generation that will be proud and sharing about the life you had in the first legit pandemic and what you've done made a difference in the world. Let us pray.
So, Father, I thank you for um, this uh, young people, Lord. I heard a lot of college students are tuning in. I pray, Lord, that they will not simply have life going for success, financial security, and living American dream, but they will really be cautious and be thoughtful and and asking you the question, Lord, time such as this, how should I live as Korean American through this pandemic? What position and how, what, what are you trying to teach us, Lord, that we may live, that we won't be ashamed to our children and grandchildren someday, that will stood by the action that we've taken because out of the, the faith that we had in you when you are asking us to become living stone, that's contradictory, and yet, Lord, that's exactly what you're asking us, to be joyful, thankful, and give thanks in times of this pandemic, and become someone that you called us to be, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. <laughs>